Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about the field technician of the future. We all know that there are a lot of different changes going on in service industries, and that is most certainly shaping what we are asking of our field technicians and what their roles will look like going forward. Today, I am joined by Rich Smith, Vice President for Product and Services at Komatsu America. Rich, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Hello, Sarah. Hello. So you have been with Komatsu for more than 29 years. That is quite a career there. Um, can you share with us a bit about what your current role is, but also what your your history with the organization looks like? So um, I, I think I'll start with the history. I started 29 years ago, actually, in manufacturing uh, on the shipping dock. And uh, I've done various jobs throughout my career, working in manufacturing, product support, parts sales, uh, machine sales, and, uh, and, and just various other uh, areas of the business. I started in the mining side of the business, uh, but now I'm on the construction side. Now, the product and services division, in my current role, I have uh, responsibility for product marketing, uh, marketing engineering, uh, application engineering, and product support, uh, technical support, training, publications, uh, and, uh, and uh, our newest um, activity, which is smart construction. So you stay busy. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I would imagine having that extensive of, of a career at a company, you know, really gives you a unique perspective. Um, particularly in today's landscape, where things are changing, you know, at such a, a rapid pace. Yeah, it truly is. It's an exciting time to be in this industry. I think you know we're going through the fourth industrial revolution of connected technologies. And uh, it's a rapidly changing uh, area of the business. Um, so, you know, I think that the expectations of the customers are, have never been greater. Uh, they, uh, and mm-hmm. what we're able to deliver to those customers is uh, unique um, in comparison to what it has been over the last few decades. So what are some of the ways that you see or feel that that customer expectation changing? Well, um, you know, Different technologies have come on, onto machines, you know, essentially if you get into, um, you know, emissions requirements. We're now at tier four final emissions requirements in North America. So the cost of that technology and the cost of the machines has gone up. But if you look at the amount that a contractor is getting paid to move earth, that really hasn't gone up that much. So fuel costs have gone up, insurance costs technology, the cost of technology in the machines. So we have to find ways to try to um, uh, help our customers uh, with their margin squeeze. And that comes into play in improving the, um, the efficiency of the machine and increasing the productivity, reliability, and durability. That makes sense. So, so there's changes on the customer side, there's changes on the technology side and, you know, all sorts of other things. So with all of this change, we know that the technician's role is changing, but I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, how you see that change taking place um, and, and what that looks like for Komatsu. So I think that, you know, let's move away from the technical side of what a technician does. I think that the role of the technician is actually changing. If you kind of look at the automotive industry, the technician is somebody that's back behind the wall and you talk to a, a service manager. 
you know, and but in uh, the construction industry, your technicians are your frontline people and your your uh, closest connection to the customer. It used to be we expected technicians to just go out and work on machines and fix machines, but now the role of the technician is really to be the trusted advisor, to be the uh, the consultant to the customer, um, and they really are um, taking a role or frontline role where that used to be maybe led by sales. Uh, now the customers look to the technician for uh, for answers and recommendations yeah. uh, much more often than ever in the past. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the other aspect of that is, so I, I agree from a, a consultative, almost sales-like way. Um, but I also think, you know, related to the increased use of technology, you know, the the more we see automation come into play, I think the greater need for our technicians to have you know, soft skills, like have greater empathy, be able to not just go in and, and fix something, but also have, you know, a human connection and, and to be able to make a customer feel valued and, you know, those sorts of things. And and I, I think those things sound very simple. Um, but, you know, from from my conversations with folks, when you really look at you know, some of the the types of technicians in certain industries that are are very mechanically focused or what have you, those those really might not be skills that are simple or come very naturally. You know, so um, it really does become a bigger challenge of either determining how you're going to, you know, upskill or reskill those technicians or, you know, how you're going to hire differently for the the new characteristics that you need going forward. So it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. It, um, you know, we have, you have your existing technicians and we do a lot of training in terms of, you know, emotional intelligence and, and soft skills. And then during the hiring process, we have to certainly make sure that we're hiring the right type of person uh, that can can have that uh, interpersonal connection as well yeah. as the technical ability. It's, uh, it's, it, they're our most important hires. What are some of the ways that, that you um, train or, or work on developing those emotional intelligence uh, and soft skills? You know, we, um, we hold an annual cross-functional um, uh, training meeting. And, you know, the first thing that we had to do was get salespeople to believe that technicians uh, could be on the front line and, and talking with the customers at the, you know, at that level. So we put teams together that include sales and parts and, and the technical side of the business and put them into role playing scenarios where we have a simulated customer uh, and or a customer team, a purchasing team and, and fleets. And we have them go through about a, a three day process of uh, understanding the customer's needs and uh, and go through that whole process. It's actually been um, a great learning opportunity for all sides of the business uh, to uh, to look at what value each area of the of the business can bring to a customer relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and and we'll talk about training a little bit more uh, later because I, I want to hear more about that. But going back to technology and and how the technology has evolved. How have you seen that technological evolution impact the field technician's role? And how do you think it will continue to in the next, you know, one to three years? Well, there's, there's a few things that, uh, that come to mind very quickly. And, and one is that uh, the um, 
telematics is being used more and more uh, across all uh, all models and all OEMs. And so where a technician previously maybe had to go out to the machine, uh, do some diagnosing and all of that, now with the telematics data, um, a technician can uh, look, uh, look online, uh, look up the information from the machine, uh, get some of that data before um, he or she uh, goes out to the machine. So I think the preparation when you walk up to a machine is much better than it uh, has been in the past. But if you look at um, why that's so necessary is because the technology that's on the machine uh, can sometimes mask uh, what the symptom is. Uh, for example, um, in a tier four uh, machine, uh, if you were you had a scenario where it was blowing black smoke in a, a previous, um, you know, an older model, you know, you know that there's a couple things that might be happening. You're happening. You either don't have enough air going to it, or you have too much fuel going to it. And you're creating a large amount of particulate matter. If that happens today, you never see it because it's caught in the DPF. So they have to use the technology on the machine to be able to help diagnose, and uh, and I think it's important to recognize that. The next um, thing that you look at is uh, semi-autonomous and autonomous operation of machines. So the, the technician mm -hmm. now, because of the, um, uh, the operability of the machine is different than it was in the past, they have to understand the machine controls uh, and, and the capabilities and productivity of the machine um, much more than they you know, perhaps did in the past. So it's a deeper level of learning uh, other than just the, uh, the basic mechanics of the machine. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so I, I'm curious if you can share a bit, you know, at Komatsu, what does your current technician look like versus, you know, the technician of five or, or even 10 years ago? And, and what do you think a technician will look like in the next five years? So I think our technicians today have, um, you know, really are much more computer savvy. They know how to use the data that's coming off the machine uh, rather than uh, just going out with a, uh, a set of gauges and, and, uh, and wrenches. Um, so understanding uh, the controls, um, how uh, the machine is, is operated is very important to do that. Uh, the level of training and the depth of the training is uh, much more, much higher than it ever has been in the past. Now, as I look to the future, I think uh, we're already beginning to do what we call Komatsu Remote Solutions, where we can reprogram controllers from our office, um, you know, on a machine. I think the technician of the future will, um, will have the opportunity to do more remote diagnosing and maybe even remote repairs. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think that will be what we'll be seeing in the future. We're always going to need people to take, take parts on and off and, and uh, do things on the machine. Being much more computer savvy in the future uh, will be a benefit for technicians of the future. Yeah. Now, do you think, you know, over the next five or, or 10 years, um, you know, you, you spoke about remote service, um, but, you know, do you see certain tasks that your technicians do now that you think will be replaced by, you know, machine learning or artificial intelligence? I think AI has a, um, <clears throat> is really something that's coming on quickly in this industry. And, you know, when you look at uh, the, there is a technician shortage out there and you look at the 20 years of experience that someone may have, and then how do you transfer that? 
Uh, I've seen some aspects of AI where, you know, uh, real text learning and you have all the, the telematics information, you have the engineering information. Uh, I think that uh, where you'll see the revolution coming here is the speed at which a diagnosis can happen. Because uh, utilizing symptoms or error codes or something that comes on a machine, I think your artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence is maybe what I would call it more um, uh to describe it better, is to steer that technician to the most probable answer uh, in a very short period of time. And then you let the technician take over from there and, and, uh, and confirm. So I think in, in that aspect, we'll see um, a, a little bit different um, work being done by the technician. Yeah, almost like a partnership. Um... Yes. Good. So you mentioned labor shortage, and and we've talked a lot about how the technicians' role and and what's re- required of them has changed and and will continue to change. How have these changes impacted your recruiting practices? What are you doing differently now than than you used to? I would just say uh, early and often. Uh, used to be that you would you know you'd look for technicians that you know when they're coming out of tech school or or uh, maybe might be getting them at, uh, you know, start recruiting at the, at the high school level. Um, but now we find it's really in, uh, a need to engage people very young. So get them interested in the industry while they're still in, in elementary school, right? Uh, carry that interest in the industry throughout their high school years and have real discussions about what a great career this can be. Uh, you know, come out of uh, come out of high school, go into a, a two-year technical program like we have with um several colleges that we have um, agreements with, come out of there and essentially within two years be um, debt-free and making a considerable salary uh, working as a technician in the construction industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is a very compelling value proposition, I think. And and it's it's really the challenge is getting that message across. So what are some of the ways that you do that, particularly like you mentioned at the elementary level? Like how do you start communicating that value proposition that early and, and kind of follow it through until those folks are ready to enter the workforce? It really, we've found that um, there's a couple of ways. You do it tech, uh, you know, tactically where you, you know, you're sponsoring things like, um, you know, dirt track racing at the local level uh, and that type of aspect. But really the other aspect of this is we have had to learn to hit social media uh, very hard. Of, you know, mm-hmm. you, we have, you know, there's great things that we build, autonomous trucks and semi-autonomous autonomous vehicles. And, you know, uh, quite frankly, our machines are, you know, they're cool and uh, kids like them. And, uh, and and so they see that and they begin to follow you on social media. And, and you know, that's how you gain interest with uh, with the youth today. That's a really good point. Um, that, that's a really good point. And, and that can sort of translate into being able to, to use that interest to, you know, articulate some of the, the jobs that are within the company and, and, you know, what different type of folks could be involved in, in something like that. That's a really good point. What about, um, one of the things we've talked about with different folks that have had a, a greater focus on recruiting also is, um, have you had to do anything with with all of these changes taking place to sort of um, review and refine your job descriptions and that sort of thing? Well, certainly that's evolved over over time. You know, you looked at um, 
computer literacy 20 years ago was not something that was in the job description, and, and certainly it is now. So, you know, uh, and, and that is, uh, it's an important aspect um, to get into digital controls. People, people that have um, some, you know, uh, ability in those areas of the business or ability to, um, to learn that area of, of uh, the technology is um, certainly that's changed over the years. Yeah. Um, it's funny too. I was, I was asked to speak on a podcast, um, last week we recorded it about the future of work. Um, and it's a podcast specific for, um, really the educators of, of people that will enter the field technician workforce. And they were asking me some questions around, you know, well, how important is it for these people to know how to use, augmented reality or artificial intelligence. And, you know, I mean, I said, well, it's any knowledge they have of how to leverage those technologies is great. But I actually think, you know, for a field service organization, if you're going to enable your workforce with an augmented reality solution, or or if their work is in some way, um, you know, augmented with uh, artificial intelligence or, or what have you, I, I, those things have to be easy to use. I mean, as an organization, you can't be in, you know, equipping your frontline workforce with tools that, you know, they're not developing them, they're, they're leveraging them. So, you know, I, I had a conversation with them about the fact that I, I actually think increasingly going forward, you know, what you're going to see is greater demand for some of those soft skills. You know, I, I think that, um, particularly when you look at the younger generation and, and there's some different, um, you know, ways that they prefer to communicate and things like that. I, I think that being able to be good with people when you're face to face with them is, is going to become more and more important. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that interpersonal relationship, as we talked earlier, and those abilities are, um, are highly important. And uh, when we talk about augmented reality and, and uh, those type of things, I think that we as an industry need to be cautious about what we're asking of our frontline people. You know, the um, augmented reality, those type of things, wearables, that came from, uh, you know, basically from the military. And, you, you know, you, you, 20 years ago, we saw that in uh, jet fighter pilots were, you know, beginning to utilize those type of technologies. And now there's a, you know, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of um, uh, people that are looking at how do we utilize that for the field technician. But jet fighter pilots are kind of one in 10 million. And the overload uh, can be, uh, information overload, I think, can be something or something that we have to be concerned about, that we don't flood the individual with so much information that they, uh, they kind of lose their spatial, um, uh, their spatial um, awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, there's, it's a delicate balance between arming them with the information that's helpful and, and overwhelming them with information that, you know, becomes debilitating. Um, that's a, that's a really good point. So I want to go back, uh, for a minute to the training conversation. So how has, how has the need for training and then the, the methods by which, or the topics on which you're training, um, how has that evolved as the landscape has changed and, and how do you focus on, you know, successfully 
onboarding new talent, as well as, you know, making sure that you are continually educating your um, existing workforce. So I think this is where the AR really comes into play. Uh, I think that those can be great training tools and we're looking at ways to, we're looking at ways to implement that into our training. The, um, I think the other thing that we have to look at in the way that we've changed some things is people learn differently than they did in the past. It was very common to you know, sit down and you'd be in a training class for a week and, and uh, you know, be out of the field. But if we look at, we look at the, at the youth or the younger people of, of today, uh, we're learning in, you know, in, in two minute increments. And, uh, and I think that is, uh, we have to make those changes to make our learning um, more, uh, more available um, and uh, in short, shorter segments to, uh, and we can speed up that training. The other thing we've looked at is we can do things, uh, we can do a lot of training remotely. And uh, we actually have a little program that we call training on demand, where a distributor might have an issue um, or they have a new model that they're putting out on demo, but they haven't been trained on that model. Uh, so we can go out there and, and train on demand over um, over video and audio and, and have a training class right there. There might be a, a you know a one hour class on how to um, de-energize an ultra capacitor in a hybrid machine. So I think those things are, are really important. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, any other comments on this topic or words of wisdom, lessons learned, tips and advice for our listeners on how to um, prepare themselves and, and prepare their technicians for the future? Yeah, I, I think that there's a, there's a few things. I, I think that we, um, the technicians and of the future will be, have to be more understanding of the business um, that they're working in and uh, the impact of uh, downtime on a, on a customer. So, you know, I would encourage people to not only just look at the technical aspects of training, but to really look at um, how a technician can understand uh, what the cost of, uh, of a machine down scenario is to, uh, to a customer and just how important that is. And I also think that, you know, the, the rise of simulators is, and digital training is something that we're going to see happen very, um, very quickly. Uh, we're starting to do things with, um, you know, with, uh, with simulators that now we can train without, um, we can train uh, in a, uh, in a, a, a simulated environment uh, and not have anybody in, uh, in danger's way. And uh, I think those are the things that we're going to be seeing in the future is uh, we'll have people trained on a machine um, or at least partially trained on a machine before they're ever on a machine. Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, I think that you're right about the, the, the value of augmented reality for training. I think there's, there's huge value in it for that purpose, particularly when you get to you know, having um, older technicians that are incredibly knowledgeable and skilled, but they maybe don't want to be in the field all the time anymore and, and being able to um, allow them to share that knowledge and, and really help a newer technician, you know, quote unquote in person, but, but using the technology is, is a really cool idea. Some of our most successful distributors are, you know, when they have a technician that um, may get to the point that, you know, I just don't want to work outside and do that heavy work anymore. And, and you'll say, well, okay, well, let's move you into a, a technical communicator type role uh, where they can coach and, uh, and lead 
uh, technicians in the field that maybe don't have the benefit of all that experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great way to um, continue to leverage their knowledge without, you know, forcing them to do something they don't want to do or, or risking losing them earlier than you need to because the demands of the job are just not what they're looking mm-hmm. for. Um, good. Any final thoughts, Rich, that, that you want to share? I, I think that we all have to realize that our technicians are some of our most valuable assets. And, uh, and I think all industries need to need to look at it uh, that way. Um, you know, I, I like to tell, um, I'd like to tell our sales department all the time is that, okay, sales sells the first machine and product support sells every machine thereafter. And I think that we right. have to provide that level of, um, of respect to uh, all of our people that are working at, at all levels of the industry um, and, uh, and not look past the value of our technicians in the field. I absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, their unique ability to be face to face with customers and to embrace some of these skills we've discussed that they'll need more of going forward, being consultative, being empathetic, you know, that is only going to, um, to add to that value, you know, but it's a really good point. I mean, it's a role that I think will, um, as it evolves, you know, become more and more critical to the perception and, you know, success of, of any brand. So that's a good point. Well, Rich, thank you so, so much for being with us today and, and for sharing some of your insights. I've really enjoyed talking with you and, and I'm glad we were able to have you on. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to, uh, glad to be here. Good. All right. For more information on the future of field service, uh, you can visit us at www.futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the future of FS. The future of field service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS service management solutions at www.ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening.